0: Welcome to Senior Straight Talk with Phyllis Amon and Rubina Chaudhry, a collaborative podcast with Pass It On Network. Seniors deserve to have a fulfilling life with dignity and respect, but as we transition into our elderhood years, this doesn't always happen. Join us today as we discuss some of the most important issues that seniors face and provide much-needed answers to your questions. Now, here are Phyllis and Rubina.
1: Welcome to Senior Straight Talk, where we present informative conversations for the senior years of our lives. I'm Phyllis Amin, your host, and I'm here with my co-host, Rubina Chaudhry. Our show, which began in September of 2019, was formerly known as Voices for Care Advocacy. But as with Senior Straight Talk, all episodes of the previous show can be heard on the Voice America Empowerment Channel and can be downloaded on your favorite podcast platforms. Please remember to like, click, and share our episodes. A few weeks ago, I began to introduce short news items at the top of the show. Uh, You can now hear them on my YouTube channel at Phyllis Amon Associates, and the title of these news tidbits is Senior News for Today. Please like, share, and subscribe. Also, for those listeners feeling stressed, stretched, and overwhelmed, help is here. Resilience Toolbox Secrets will help you recharge, reset and recommit as you face life's challenges. You can find them on my website as phyllisaimanassociates.com. My latest book, Dignity and Respect Are Our Aging Parents Getting What They Deserve is now available on Amazon. And I'm proud to say it became a number one new release on Amazon and an international bestseller. It's available in both paperback and ebook formats. I hope you'll purchase a copy and encourage your friends and colleagues to do the same. I appreciate your support and hope you'll help spread the word on this all-important topic. We're proud to announce that Seniors Straight Talk now has a collaborative partner, the Pass It On Network, a global peer learning network for positive aging advocates, and a member of the United Nations Open-Ended Working Group on Aging, now joins Seniors Straight Talk, bringing our listeners informative conversations for the senior years of our lives. At this juncture, I also want to thank Peter De Geer of De Geer Therapy Services, who is a colleague and consultant specializing in rehabilitation therapy services in nursing homes. And now I'm going to um, ask Rubina to join me on the uh, on the show. How are you doing, Rubina?
2: I'm doing well, Phyllis, and I want to thank you for uh, conducting a very nice interview last week, and uh, I certainly enjoyed listening to it, and I appreciate the break that you gave me a couple of times.
1: Oh, well, you know, that's
2: what friends are for, right? (laughs) (laughs) That's what friends are for. We pick up for each other, and we pick each other up as well. Absolutely, and you've done that
1: with me um, many times, so I'm, I'm glad that I can be there for you as well.
2: And there are a couple things that I would like to share what's been happening on the olive front. Okay. Uh, and during the month of November, we had a month long walkathon where we asked everybody to walk in their own neighborhoods and help raise funds for olive. And we had some exciting participants, um, uh, videos, pictures, everything. And I can share from my personal experience that, I learned a lot more about my neighborhood. I found a nature reserve, only a 15 minute walk from my house that I didn't even know that existed. So uh, really enjoyed that. And following that, we had our um, vision luncheon last Saturday, which was virtual. And thank you for your participation in it. Our topic was, topic was, Wellness and technology. Wellness and technology, connecting the dots. Thank you. See that, how we pick each other up, <laughs> right? And, uh, and that was in place of our annual vision luncheon. As you recall, last year in December, you were with us in California and uh, led a very nice panel on, uh, uh, say the title. Of- it was intergenerational programming, right? intergenerational perspectives Perspective, on uh, on elder care. Right, So it was terrific. And uh, I really missed you. I wish you'd been able to come. It was really fun. And Anu, our program coordinator, had also come and joined us. And, uh, and I missed that part of it. But the program went well. And thank you for your participation. And I uh, want to thank the, the listeners as well and encourage the listeners to go to Olive's newest website, www.olivecs.org for some of the programming that we're doing for, uh, for seniors.
1: Oh, that sounds great. And it was a great event um, and I enjoyed it immensely. Um, And you even had some singing. Uh, Jack York's daughter, daughter Karen, sang Somewhere Over the Rainbow at the end. And it was, I mean, she's got a beautiful voice. I I emailed Jack and told him you don't have to be her parent to have her voice melt your heart because it really was truly beautiful. Yes, it, Um, it truly was. So now at this juncture, I'd like to introduce today's guest who I had the pleasure of meeting a few weeks ago. When I conducted a webinar as a collaborative venture between his organization and the National Council of Certified Dementia Practitioners. Steve Gurney founded the Guide to Retirement Living in 1990, drawing from the experience of observing his family caring for Steve's aging grandfather. He created a comprehensive publication to help others in the same situation. Over the next few years, Steve expanded the publication to three regional editions D.C. Metro, State of Maryland, and the Philadelphia region. And he's worked closely with nearly every regional and national organization on aging to help maximize their exposure and helping find solutions to their challenges. In 1998, Mr. Gurney sold his company to the Washington Post, where he ran the business for them for over 20 years um, with significant growth, I may add. And in 2018 he purchased the business from the Washington Post, rebranded it as the Positive Aging Sourcebook, and has made significant changes to address the changing marketplace and consumer preferences. There's a lot more that Steve has accomplished, so I'd like to welcome him so he can share more about his background. So, welcome Steve, we're thrilled to have you here today on Senior Straight Talk.
3: Welcome, and it's great to see you again, Phyllis.
1: Uh, yeah, it was really uh, fun. A nice I fun on that webinar. You did a great job.
3: Thank you. Nice to meet you, Rubina.
2: Thank you. Same here.
1: So, Steve, tell us a little more, because there was a lot more in that bio. And um, I wanted you to have the opportunity to, um, to the listeners to hear it uh, from you directly.
3: Yeah, sure. Well, uh, thanks. And um I think you know like a lot of one of the one of the neat things about working in the field of senior services aging services whatever you want to call it is a lot of the people are drawn to it th- through personal experiences and for me I was a college kid observing my grandfather in a nursing home seeing what my family went through and I just kind of stumbled into the fact that there wasn't an easy to use resource to help people in the same in the same boat. And I I would have never thought that I'd be here 30 years later and um, have had a full career um, helping older adults, their family members, and bringing together senior serving professionals. And I think that um, one of the unique things about what we do with Positive Aging Sourcebook and Sort of the secret sauce to that organization is is that what I discovered early on was that is very difficult for individuals to just randomly say, "Okay, let me sit down and start planning about what happens if I am growing older and I need assisted living or home care or anything like that." It's it's a it, most folks are not open-minded enough to sort of plan in that direction. However, what I discovered was is that we, we have challenges that we sort of face through our, our lifetime. And it might be going in to update your advanced medical directive. It might be talking to your realtor about a, a smaller place to live. That's, that's maintenance free. And Through that journey, you're running into these various providers, and that's the secret sauce to Positive Aging Sourcebook, because we've brought together uh, a community of thousands of those providers, and what ends up happening is you're talking to that attorney, and they say, you know, you're bringing up some interesting points. Here, take this guide, and um, it has a lot of the answers to the questions that you're asking. So... So I, I feel really pleased to have brought together this community of providers. And I think the, um, the interesting thing is, is that one of the things that we did prior to COVID-19 was we would have a lot of live events. So we would convene. So like, for example, the program that you gave to us, we might have invited you down to come speak to 200 200 senior serving providers in the DC area on empathy and um, they'd exchange business cards, they'd network, what have you. And we'd been doing that for about 25 years. And when COVID hit, um, I, you know, like everybody, I was like, oh, this is just a temporary blip. You know, we'll get back on track. Well, after a couple of weeks, I started getting phone calls and people were saying, hey, when, uh, what are we going to do without these meetings? And, um, you know, like a lot of people, I got the Zoom account, figured out how to convene uh, large meetings online. And um, now I actually feel like we're connecting more people in a more meaningful way than we were with our live events. And um, uh, it's really exciting to see the. I'm I'm just trying to pull every lever to reinvent myself and reinvent my organization in this new world. But we're having some great discussions online that I don't think we would have ever had if we were doing live events.
1: You know, I I just want to address that because um, I said to somebody the other day, um, I was introduced to her through someone else, and she's head of um, actually um, the Greenhouse Project. And um,
3: oh, Susan I, Ryan, no, nope. yes.
1: great, know her really well. Yeah, uh, we had a great conversation, and um, I might be doing some work with them too. I mean, she was she was interested in a lot of uh, the things I was talking about. But I, I said to her, you know, um, I think I've made um, more interesting connections um, through this mm-hmm. whole Zoom situation in the beginning it was like, oh my god, you know, the zoom and you felt you got zoomed out. Now I think I'm really looking forward to these zoom um these zoom conversations and and um meetings because it, it's a different kind of connection. You're really connecting with people in a better way than really just using a telephone. I yeah. think it's I, more meaningful.
3: Yeah, I think I think what I'm seeing is is that we're able to get ideas and concepts and new developments out there quicker to a yes. larger audience than we were before. You know, in since March, we've probably done seventy-five what I call them digital discussions instead of webinars, and um, and we've focused on some just really cutting-edge technology that there would have been no way that we could have introduced this to this community of providers um, in the old way. So I'm, I'm, I'm really, I'm I'm devastated at the, about the COVID crisis, but I'm excited at where it's, it's forced us to go and, and we'll never go back. You, you know, we really will.
1: I, I think you're right. And there's something else that you said uh, at the beginning, when you said people not, you know, planning for these situations. And that's something that I really am a big proponent of that people should be uh, proactive rather than reactive, or I say plan by choice rather than crisis. I'm sure you've experienced this many times in your life, even maybe at a younger age than you are now. Um, on a personal level, I know you you uh, possibly have something you want to share about that. But um, that that um, you know, when when that crisis hits, and inev- inevitably it does, especially for an older person, uh, you, you know, a family member gets a phone call, whatever happened, there's some medical situation, they're in the hospital, and now everybody's scrambling to find the right situation. And I tell people they could be at the mercy of the glossy marketing brochures and the hospital discharge planners, not, not for any nefarious reason, but that's just the reality of it, and that may not be the best situation for your loved one.
3: Yeah, and, and I, think, I, I think one of the things that I see in the reason that we don't want to plan for these types of, of things is it, it boils down to the stigma that's associated with it. And then that boils down to ageism, is, okay. is that it's, it's the, the view that if I'm, if I'm older, I'm I'm not as good as I was, and so it, I'm not going to think about it. I'm not going to talk about it, and and that includes planning ahead. And um, I'm I'm eager for the ageism movement to take center stage, and um, and for folks to really become more aware of the language they're using. Uh, and the the way that their, their own personal view of um, growing old may sort of uh, infect the minds of the people around them.
1: Oh, absolutely. The last two chapters of my book really deal with that uh, quite a bit. And I just want to add that this coming, um, well, when this airs, it will already have happened, but I'm going to mention it anyway, that um, I'm... Um, co-moderating a panel on um, ageism with people from around the world on Monday um, at nine in the morning. And um, yeah, because this conversation is a conversation that needs to be had. Um, and it infects it people's own feelings about their own age, uh, because it's so, it permeates every aspect of our life from the time that we're very young. I've talked about that many times. But you know, I read something that uh, you had some interesting experiences when you were in earlier years in senior living communities. So, do you want to talk about that? A little? Uh, yeah,
3: no, I love talking about this. So, right now I'm 55, and um, I uh, when I was 43, so I I had this interesting project. I uh, over the course of a year, I lived in five different senior living communities as a resident and um, I didn't sort of, I didn't, you know, uh, roll around in a wheelchair. I didn't, you know, uh, you know, sort of do some kind of um, makeup job or anything like that. The, The goal of this project was that I was going, I wanted to experience senior living communities as a person. Not an older person, not a person with disabilities. And, um, and you know, one of the things that I wanted to um, get a better handle on is, is that can these be good neighborhoods for an individual to live regardless of their age? Mm-hmm. And um, what prompted this was actually um, I was... Uh, I was in the first class of the UMBC School of Aging Studies um, graduate program. And there was one day when one of our professors said, um, How many of you all work in a nursing home? And there were 24 people in my class, and a few raised their hands. And then they said, Well, now, how many of you have taken a shower in a nursing home? And It was one or two, and it was because it was like a snow day, and they were forced (laughs) to stay in the nursing home to take a shower. And, and, And that led into this discussion that really kind of like opened my eyes that, wow, you know, here we are. We all claim to sort of be these awesome senior living providers, but we're not actually eating the food that's in the restaurant that we work in, you know? And, and that was just in the back of my mind. And so anyways, I got through that program and I, you know, I was meeting with one of my clients um, and and ironically, I was meeting with these clients on the day that I took my kids to their first day of school. My kids were pretty young at that time and they were talking to me about my first days of school and they, they were actually listening to me and interested because I really went through first days of school just like right. they did. And then I go to my client who was in assisted living and we were having a brainstorming discussion and they were asking me my opinion on something. And I started to answer them. And then I said, you know what? I could answer this a lot better. If you'd let me just move in here and and live here for a while, and then I could give you a little better perspective. And you know, all their jaws dropped. They're like, what? They're Mm -hmm. like, really? You would do that? And I was like, well, yeah, you know, I mean, I, here I am, I'm the senior housing expert, but I've never even spent the night in a senior housing community. So I, um, I, you know, we had this conversation and they called me a week later and they said, were you serious about doing that? And I was like, yeah, you know, so I, um, I, you know, I, I went through the process, did everything exactly like I would have moved in, figured out what, 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 uh, furniture we'd have to move from our house and this that and the other I filled out the application I didn't take a car the whole 9 yards and it was it was a real eye opening experience it was it, it it really changed my way of thinking and I learned a lot of lessons but I think one of the things one of the blind spots that I had seen and and prior to doing this I had visited well over 500 communities and talked to hundreds of people who had made the decision What I, what, one of my blind spots was I didn't realize how much the residents care for each other because all we talk about is how well the staff is trained Mm. and how we are, you know, certified and we've got all this, that, and the other. If you're in a larger community, there's no possible way that your staff can take care of every need that a resident have, even if you're in a small community. And what I saw was just how much. The residents cared for each other and took care of each other. Even the two ladies that bicker at each other every day, they really care and love each other. And I I spoke a lot about this after I did it. And and a friend of mine, or he is a friend of mine, but he was at one of the events and he said, I know exactly what you're talking about. You put a bunch of people in a boat that they don't think they want to be in. They come together in a more meaningful way. And that's what I've seen in every senior living community that I've been to. And so that was, that was just one of the great lessons that I learned. The, I, I did this five times. The second time I did it, I have a wife and, and two kids. I wanted my whole family to go in and do this with me at a community. Um, they didn't buy that. I managed to get <laughs> my son to go with me. So my six-year-old son was with me, and that was in an urban community. So the first one that I went to – was a suburban car dependent community, and what I realized was, hey, this is great but I'm still as car dependent as I was in right. a suburban house mm-hmm. and so by moving to an urban place with my six year old son it gave me a, a different perspective and got me thinking down a different uh, way of uh, way of you know,
1: I, I just want to um I want to say that um, several months ago I spoke with this uh, nursing home administrator. Um, I think she was in Michigan. No, well, it was way before COVID, so it must have been last year. And what she did was, oh, I think she was part owner of these uh, this nursing home. And what she did when they were training CNAs, which is something I have always said, is that they had to move into the uh, nursing home for a week, but uh, different than you, uh, they had to take on the diagnosis and the characteristics of that diagnosis of, of whatever they were assigned. Um, and they had to live that week out in that fashion. So if they had had a stroke and let's say one side of their body uh, was immobile, they had to live that way, whatever it was. Um, I have often said when I've done training in nursing homes, it, it's mostly, uh, the ones I have done are mostly around swallowing, but I have often said that <laughs> nobody let me do this though, which, uh, was that I would like to, um tie, um, well, you know, that's not legal, but you know what I mean? Uh, like, like somehow make sure that they couldn't get up from a chair. And so like, make, make you know, like loosely, I don't mean like tie, like restrain. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, um, and have them drink like three, four cups of water. And then when they say they have to go to the bathroom, say, no, I'm sorry. You have to wait and um, <laughs> have them see what that really feels like. Uh, because well, you know, not um, fun, because that's And that's what people are told very often.
3: One one of my one of the um, the other students in the UMBC program that I was a part of was a nursing home administrator, and he he did that. And um, one of the eye opening things that he saw was he had a prescription. He he sort of um, imaged after an 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 actual resident, and so he, they used Skittles to administer the medications that this huh. resident had, and. What it opened his eyes up to the fact was that his staff, so if it said on the prescription bottle, take a medication every eight hours, his staff was waking him up at four in the morning to take this Mm -hmm. medication. And after that experience, he realized, whoa, wait a second, we would have, we've been taking eight hour prescriptions our entire life. We don't wake up at four in the morning, you wake up and then you take it. And so just little things like that, if we put ourselves in the shoes of the people we're serving, we can um, gain a much better appreciation of, of options.
1: Well, no, I, I, I agree with you 500% because, of course, I've worked in just about 50 skilled nursing um, environments. And, of course, I've seen a whole range of things, um, including, you know, when you're saying about taking medication... Um, <laughs> somebody putting three, four five pills in a cup and expecting, you know, a person to be able to take them in one shot. And uh, that's a whole other story. But yeah, that's fascinating. And I, um, I hope that's food for thought for people because, you know, it, it tends to be very much us and them. It's those people over there. They're older, they're living in that place. They're living out their years and like, um, you know, it's very much separate from out, like an out of body experience. Almost it's separate from us. And I hope this gives people food for thought because um, it's our future selves. I hate to. Yeah.
3: (laughs) Yeah. And I think I, one thing, and I'm not perfect, but what I've tried to do is always catch myself when I use that, the word them, when I refer to the, the people that I, we are serving as them and just try to replace it when we need to do this or what have you. It's, it's hard using the language. And, and that's, you know, again, that's what's key in sort of eliminating ageism is helping people use the correct language, or I shouldn't say correct language, because in this day and age, language changes on a regular basis, especially when it refers to anything that has to do with ageism, ra- racism, sexism, right. you name it. But it's really being more thoughtful in the way that we talk about about folks and more inclusive
1: yeah, I agree, and one of the uh, one of my um, i'll say pet peeves in a way or talking about language is and I just had this the other day on a presentation I was doing is that we put somebody someplace and that takes away all of their yeah. autonomy and a sense of who they are as a person um, it's just another transition, and if we could think of it as just another transition and the person is moving to another another kind of living environment because they can no longer live in the environment they were at. We, we go through so many transitions in our lives. If we could think of it that way, maybe we, you know, it will kind of switch how people think about older people and it's not those people over there, but it's, um, you know, people who moved into a different environment, but we're going to take a short break. And when we come back to senior straight talk, we're going to uh, continue this uh, great conversation with Steve Gurney about, um, about all things senior. We'll be right back.
0: Phyllis Amon, owner of Phyllis Amon Associates, provides strategic solutions to families seeking care for their loved ones and coaches them to become more effective advocates. Her expertise comes from working in over 45 nursing homes. Phyllis, known for her passion, empathy, high quality care standards, and quality life for older adults, is an experienced educator, speaker, and trainer. She's bridged the gap from healthcare to public and private sector businesses on topics from communication, caregiving, empathy, and novel approaches to team building and leadership. Rubina Chaudhry is president and founder of Mars Services, an engineering management consulting firm, as well as founder and president of Olive Community Services, a 501c3 providing support services to seniors, families, and the community. Olive's Live, Learn, and Thrive programs engage seniors physically, mentally, and socially. Rubina's passion for seniors stems from her experiences as an only child, living miles away from her aging parents who are over 90 years of age. She understands the issues and decisions caregiver's face visit all of cs.org for further information it's your world motivate change succeed voiceamericaempowerment.com you are tuned in to senior straight talk with phyllis amon and rubina chaudhry if you'd like to leave us a question or comment about our program, please feel free to email the hosts at phyllis at SeniorStraightTalk.com. Now back to Senior Straight Talk.
2: Welcome to Senior Straight Talk uh, with my host, Phyllis Amon, Phyllis and our guest, Steve Gurney. And thank you so much for a wonderful, wonderful definition of what it's like to be a senior and what it's like to approach senior years and Steve's especially your experience of going there and actually living and and uh, learning from your firsthand experience because I've gone through this with my mom admitting her into senior living everything you know the furniture the all the research and everything but in, in my situation, because I live in Canada and in the U.S. and my mom lives in Canada, when I would go and visit her before COVID, I was allowed to sleep on her sofa.
3: Oh, that's... So, that's I love that. And, and in yeah. fact, like in maternity... Okay, so back, right. back in the olden days, when yeah. you would give birth, the husband yeah. would be, you know, he'd just be staying at home waiting for mom to come home. Right. You know, right. And now... If you're a husband and you're not sleeping right next to your wife in that maternity thing, it's crazy. And I would love to see that same approach in senior communities. That is awesome that they're doing it in Canada.
2: It was so wonderful for me because I wasn't visiting once a week or something. I was visiting every six or eight weeks. So I got to see full shifts of staff come and i also got to observe mom and how she was doing and so it was it was really wonderful i appreciate that and then on my other hat of and you said it so beautifully and that applies to each one of us that we get involved in an area because of our passion phyllis is in this area because of her passion i am now in you know in senior care because of my exposure Uh, to senior living with uh, with my parents. And with Olive Community Services, one of the things we tried to do last year was to create a culturally focused resource guide for seniors. We took a North Orange County Seniors Collaborative resource guide and just prepared a couple of pages. So what has been your experience? First of all, tell me about your publication you know, so that our listeners have a good definition of what the source book is. And then what have you done to address the diversity?
3: Yeah. So, so first off, I mean, again, I've made a lot of mistakes over the last 30 years, but, but in, in general, the original vision has stayed pretty tried and true. And that is to be a comprehensive resource of every option in the regions that we serve. And we, we have three regions the dc metro northern virginia dc suburban maryland the state of maryland and the philadelphia area that's where our our printed resource guides are primarily distributed and um and and early on you know i i just made the right decision not to sort of do something that was only focused on listing at paid advertisers but to list everyone, and then very um, intentionally, uh, intentionally take on sponsorships to fund this, but not sacrifice the editorial objectivity of of the the resource guide. So there's no advertorials or anything like that. You know, we write all the articles, this, that, and the other, and so the so. Basically, I I look at the world in three buckets. There is the aging in place bucket that most people want to sort of start out with first. Most people it's like, how can I stay here at home? And so in that bucket, we've got universal design, we've got transportation, technology, home care agencies, adult daycare, um, anything that can help somebody live safely at home. Then the next bucket is the senior housing bucket, and in that bucket we list all the active adult communities. We list uh, life plan, independent assisted, nursing home, hospice care, memory care, and and then in the last bucket is what we call the resource bucket, and those are the people and the organizations that can help you navigate all this stuff. So the aging life care managers, the elder law attorneys, the um, daily money managers the offices on aging you name it and so we our goal is to try to make this huge you know network of thousands of resources no matter what region you're you're in a little bit easier to digest and understand so that you can make decisions for yourself or your loved ones
1: can I just make a comment on one thing that Steve said? And I, I know you're not using it in in any kind of way, but uh, talk about terminology. One of the uh, the uh, expressions or terms or labels that I really don't like is adult daycare because it gives the the uh, it's too. I I, I think it um, brings people to the way of thinking of childcare.
3: Yeah, there, no, so, I mean, it's it right. feeds the infantilization oh, of elderly
0: so, This is that
3: kids go to daycare and whatever. Now, the good thing is the term adult daycare is, which actually, it, it, I, I think the, the the more universal term is adult day services. However, right. just like one of the exciting things that we're beginning to see, or that we've seen over the last 10 years, is where communities are dropping whatever descriptor out of their name. So instead of, you know, Shady Acres Senior Living Community, right. it's now just Shady Acres. Right. And instead of insight adult day care, it's insight memory care or something right. like that. You know, and um but I, I totally agree. And um
1: or even adult I mean, community services or adult day community yeah. services. Um rather than an adult daycare, because it, it, it's an, a term that infantilizes um, people yeah. and, and only reinforces that way of thinking like, oh, they're adults, they need somebody
2: to watch them, kind of like them. Yeah. That's, like, that's so- really very true. And that's really where, Steve, I appreciate Phyllis's passion for dignity and respect. Now, for, for elders.
3: Uh, absolutely. Now, since we're on the adult day services or whatever we want to call it, ban- um, discussion, one of the things that ke- that was driven home to me, I- I've always been a fan of the of adult day services, especially for families that are taking care of somebody with memory impairment yeah. who's living at home. But when COVID hit, I I will tell you that adult day services, in my opinion, is one of the most vital services that is in the senior living spectrum. Um, personal story of one of my friends who his father was going loved going to an adult day services center every day. He had mild mild cognitive impairment, and COVID hits, it shut down. Okay, yeah. he's can't go to that he's stuck at home now family's caring for him he has a fall has to go to the hospital has memory impairment the family can't go into the hospital with him he wanders away this is may of this year and he's never been found okay (gasps) and but but there that's that's one tragic story but i've heard countless stories of families that you know, made the decision to age in place with a loved one with cognitive impairment and adult day services was their respite, whether it Correct. be five days or one day. Right. And now that's a big burden, you know, right. taking care of somebody. And, that,
1: and that's that. where and that's where families are, you know, talk about resilience and and um, self-care and, and taking time for yourself because families are really, really struggling. So it's not only... Parents who are educating their children at home are ex- experiencing that. But, oh, yeah. you know, older adults who have their families at home, just like you're saying, and um, and then maybe they may be in a circumstance where they have a, a younger child and an older parent in the same household. And it's constant. It's, it's really constant really and
2: it's, it's really... Uh, there's no relief. Uh, uh, I want to get back to your publication and the, and the value of oh, yeah, yeah. information that you offer, okay? And there's so, there's so much that we could talk. We are all, all so passionate about this. How often do you publish it?
3: Um, we do it two times a year in three okay. regional markets. Okay. And, and then obviously, I mean, we've been online since 1995. So that's uh-huh. updated on a daily basis.
2: Okay. okay, so if I want to access your uh, publication, I could sign up online. Is there a yeah. fee for it, or how do I? Oh, access it's it?
3: free, free of charge. So you just go to Positive Aging Sourcebook,
2: uh-huh.
3: um, Positive Aging Sourcebook, and um, and then you can navigate the website. And at the top, it says order a free copy, and we'll mail it out to you the next day.
2: Yeah, I'm on your website right now, so and it's uh, I will definitely be looking at it looking at it. And I want to share with you also for a moment, what's brought Phyllis and uh, I together, and what are some of the things that we're planning to do. And one of them is this, uh, Mm -hmm. this uh, memory, memory care, adult adult, adult, adult day program, memory services, something
1: like that. We've been talking about that for quite some time to have, I'm sorry, not to interrupt, just to have a a, a community program dedicated uh, to people with memory impairment.
3: Oh yeah. No, I think that would be great. I And I've got some resources that I have um, leaned on that, you know, are, um, are really well. So I'm excited for you guys to do that. No,
2: we would, we would really appreciate that, especially in this um, North Orange County area in Fullerton. I live in North Orange County in Fullerton and just our surrounding areas. There's not much availability and uh, our dear friend Phyllis is, uh, is certified as a residential care facility administrator in California, though she's living there in Connecticut, but eventually, you know, we'll, we'll have her migrate out, out west. (laughs) But, you know, we're really learning from you each, uh, each day. Um, What, you know, in our olive experience, Phyllis and I and the rest of our group, we're really at the foundational level where we're trying to de- design something that's ideal, that uses the the research and the lessons learned of other people, what advice would you give as we move forward in this in this experience?
3: Um, I, you know, what what I the advice that I give entrepreneurs and that I give folks that are are facing what we call these elder care challenges is, is to have a wide field of vision mm-hmm. and to be, and don't feel like you need to order what's on the menu. That usually the great opportunities or the, the, the great um, solution is something that you're gonna trip over on your way to yeah. the, discover mm-hmm. what you think you're gonna, you're gonna do. And, and, and I'll tell you one quick story that I think illustrates this is, is that um, a friend of mine's dad, um, you know, was widowed living alone. His, his wife was gone. They were wonderful, long marriage. Everybody told him you got to move to this active adult community. And, and, you know, he saw his peers, his friends, they were all living there. So he moves to this active adult community and all, all, he didn't play golf and the people that he was, interacting with, they were all married and he wasn't married anymore and he he just started feeling like he wasn't with his tribe and he started to reflect on who his tribe was. Well, this guy had grown up in downtown Philadelphia and he, you know, raised a family, moved to the suburbs, did did that whole song and dance and now here he was with no strings attached and he was sort of like, you know, I loved living in the city. Mm-hmm. And so without his kids or anybody knowing, he would take trips around the country to different cities. And this one day he announces to my friend, I'm moving to Baltimore. I found an apartment. It's right above an art gallery. He's an artist. There's Starbucks. <laughs> he didn't know anybody in Baltimore. And he moved to an apartment in downtown um, Baltimore, Inner Harbor, didn't need a car, Loved it, you know, lived there for three or four years. His health started changing. Then he moved to a life plan community in Philadelphia. But I love that story mm-hmm. because it's just, he didn't, he didn't, he, he bought what was on the menu, but then right. he was brave enough to sort of say, let me invent something that's customized for my own purpose-filled life.
1: So what I want to say in response to that story is that what I um, advise families uh, when they're, pos- you know, hopefully they'll have this discussion. Very often families don't even enter into this discussion. But um, what I tell them is um, why not start by asking your parents or older, you know, the, the, your loved one, what their desires are what their needs are what do they see as important to them where do they see themselves going i think that's part of the issue too people don't consider the older person or their desires or um their interests as if they don't have any anymore and um I think that's uh, one of the failings. How many times, and I don't know, you know, Steve, maybe you've seen this. And when I've spoken to people in the assisted living space or senior living space, how many times have they seen, you know, either adult children coming in looking for a place for mom and dad or um, coming with mom and dad or dad? And um, it's like they don't even exist. They're like interacting and asking the questions, and nobody turns to the older person and says, "Well, what what are you looking for? What are your needs?" So I think that that story that you just told really uh,
2: reflects that.
3: Yeah. So, so to, you know, you can glean whatever you want out of that. Uh, you can
2: <laughs> <laughs> I have another uh, another question, uh, Steve. As you're surveying this uh, you know these resources for seniors what trends are you seeing for uh, cultural diversity are there focused um, facilities or are there portions within facilities that are addressing you know whether it's language whether it's food how how are you seeing you know we are a very diverse diverse community yes
3: so I think some of the incidents that occurred this year have really accelerated Diversity in all areas of of, of our lives, but mm-hmm. but also in senior living. But um, this has been a challenge that the providers that that I work with have been faced with for many years. And again, I'm going to tell you another story that I think kind of sums up um, uh, one way to think about diversity. And again, this is a story of an adult daycare service. And this was founded by a gentleman who was Persian and had strong ties to his church. And when he opened his adult day service, he instantly filled up half of the tables with the members of his church. And they absolutely loved it. And it was the most vibrant um, uh, adult day service that I had seen at the time. And... He called me back maybe a year later, and he said, I I can't get anybody in here, okay? People come and tour, and one of the problems is they they don't see people that look like them. They see, um, you know, predominantly Persian in, in this community. And he tried a bunch of things, and then he hit on something that worked. And this, I feel, is a solution to diversity, not only in senior living but workplaces and what have you and what he discovered was he linked up with a a very influential woman in the latino community and she began to do outreach and she would tour the community she would tour the center and you know kind of get the same looks that everybody gave her and then she came up with this interesting approach where she said i'm not looking for one person to come into this this center.
2: Mm
0: -hmm.
3: I'm looking for a table. I'm looking for six people. Right. And so she was able to get six people from the Latino community to come to this adult day center. And it was amazing what happened. not only did they interact with each other, they interacted with the other tables because they, they had their little mini tribe, but then they were part of a much larger tribe. Mm -hmm. And I think, one of the challenges is 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 that we've all walked into rooms and organizations and companies where we are different than all the other people there and that's not easy you know and it's it's hard to be the first person to sort of break that barrier but if you can break it with a small group and if you have a culture that brings people together and is eager to unite people then then that's great um Many of the senior living, not many, a handful of the senior living communities that I work with in, in the mid-Atlantic are starting to bring on sea-level um, physicians positions. that mm-hmm. are in charge of inclusion, diversity, what have you. They're creating, and I'm, you I'm know, going to
2: Phyllis is centers. going to cut us off, but I'm going to share a quick story. A in of, our OLIVE programs, we experienced that, that when we went from our, Uh, in-person program we had a table with men and two or three tables with women and when we went online slowly our men participants fell off because they didn't feel part of this group of women and here we were able to have tables for each other so it's I think this the concept of being together with the same kind of people even if it's just a table is very important And what I was going to say, and I know, Rubina,
1: you and I connected over cultural diversity when we first met about two years ago at this entrepreneurial conference. That was the first conversation we had about cultural diversity. And something that I'm concerned about, and it does come from the nursing home space, is the culturally diverse residents of nursing homes and the culturally diverse caregivers um, and how oftentimes there's a mismatch and that's something that really isn't addressed in the industry. And I believe it, it's something that sorely
2: needed to be addressed because it, um, I it, think I mean, it becomes problematic. Uh, sh- uh, Steve, I want to share with you that my first experience with assisted living in Canada was very positive. My mom had a friend who lived in assisted living that was uh, for uh, South Asian people. And we just went to visit my mom's friend, and that's how we even learned that this facility existed. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what kind of outreach they did, but my mom was a couple of years later able to go there, and it was just so, so amazing. Uh, and, and you know that's a wonderful facility, and that's what spurned all my interest in this uh, in this area. You know what? What I think is, uh, as Steve tells that story, what
1: what um, I connected with it's it is such a smart idea. Think about when you uh, when you're having an event, don't people sell tables? And why do they sell tables? So people can go with the members of yeah. their community, whether it's their company or their organization or their relatives. Um, you know, that's very often the reason behind it. So that was a a creative approach to solve that problem. And in bringing those people that were part, like he said, of that tribe, then that kind of, it was almost like a ripple effect. There's almost no choice. There are other people there. You start to talk to them. And then you find your commonalities. Then you find what what really Mm -hmm. you have um, in common as opposed to your differences. And, I I mean, I don't want to get political here, but... um, you know that uh, you know that's yeah. a, a it's a, it's, really, that's it's, a it's
2: important it's important right. and it's uh, you know, I just, especially important as we age right you know and i just on that on that note i mean
1: rubina you and i are from very different cultures and yeah. um we like i said we met at this conference we started talking about cultural diversity and if we each of us individually weren't open to that notion Uh, You have always said, oh, the places we will go, we wouldn't be here now. And we've become quite good friends. And, um, you know, if people open themselves to that,
2: they find how much they're similar as opposed to they're different. And the conference we were at had nothing to do with about seniors. No, nothing nothing whatsoever. It was a business conference. Oh, that's great it was Nugget. really terrific it was it was really really tri- terrific and what i've learned and uh, each each from each guest i try to go away with two or three nuggets and uh, Steve, you've definitely provided me with a lot more than two or three nuggets because this area of communicating uh, collaborating collecting the information and having it in one one place is is really important because when I started looking, you know, it it was difficult. It was difficult. Where do you go? Just fell into it. Then mom had a friend who went we went to visit. Otherwise it would have been very, very challenging. So thank you for, for the work that you do to support the seniors.
3: You bet. No, I, no, it's been a pleasure.
2: I mean, the, and, the, and that's the
1: problem. People uh, don't know where to turn and they just look it up at things online and it's haphazard. And having it all in, in one place is just, you, you're providing something so terrific, Steve, because... Um, otherwise, you know, people are just looking and reading and grasping, and um,
0: or they rely
1: on one person who's who's bringing them the information that they have, as opposed to having the information for themselves at their fingertips. Are you planning to expand to other markets?
3: Um, you know, I, I probably not in terms of the model that I created thirty years ago. These regional guides. I think what I'm seeing is is that. Our digital discussions are expanding our audience uh, globally, and um, so there might be a little niche. Like I said, I've got a very wide field of vision. I, I expect to trip over something that is mm-hmm. really leads to an expansion, and um, I've got a lot of things on my radar, but um, nothing is really uh, stuck substantially just as of yet.
1: Well, I hope you're going to well. let us know what that is, because whatever it is, I'm sure it's going to be not only creative, but I'm sure it will be helpful to, um, to the community at large, uh, in addition to seniors and their families. So I, I think that brings us uh, to the end. So I, I want to thank you, Steve. Uh, it's just been fantastic. Um, it's been enlightening. I want to thank you for the valuable work you do, the valuable information you provided, for our listeners, but also for Rubina and I. And, uh, you know, I'm sure like Rubina said, we'll take some of these nuggets and uh, try to implement them as we move forward with our own, um, our own projects.
3: Sounds great. Great, great to, to talk to you guys.
1: So thanks again. And please, please join us on our next episode of senior straight talk for more informative conversations for the senior years of our lives. This is Phyllis Amon and Rubina Chaudhry signing off. Please remember to like, click, and share our episodes. And until next time, stay safe, stay well, and stay tuned.
0: Thank you for listening to Senior Straight Talk. Join your hosts, Phyllis Amon and Rubina Chaudhry again soon for another episode on the Voice America Empowerment Channel or your favorite podcast platforms.